Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering. One bank teller instead of the usual five. Slow, fast food lines. Simply not enough staff. Grandma's Office Catering avoided the mass exodus with respect, appreciation, better wages, and now health insurance. That's how Grandma continues to wow. Grandma'sCatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. Today is Thursday, July 21st. Coming up, communities of color in Kansas and Missouri face some of the nation's worst medical debt, and the negative effects can extend beyond healthcare. If you have a subprime credit score, you're gonna pay $3,000 more in interest, for example, when buying a $10,000 used car. Plus, we'll hear from another Kansas City woman telling her own story about getting an abortion. But first, some headlines. A Kansas City resident has been identified as the suspect in Tuesday's shooting death of North Kansas City police officer Daniel Vasquez. 24-year-old Joshua T. Rocha has been charged with murder and armed criminal action. His bond is set at $2 million. Clay County Prosecutor Daniel White says if convicted of murder, Rocha faces life in prison or the death penalty. There will be further evidence. There will be other decisions that have to be made in regards to this case. So this is far from over. This is just the beginning. Rocha is scheduled to be arraigned this afternoon in Liberty in Clay County Circuit Court. Police say he does not have a prior criminal record. New polling suggests a constitutional amendment opening the door for tighter abortion restrictions is leading among voters in Kansas. Suzanne Perez of the Kansas News Service reports. The first publicly released poll of the campaign was conducted by Coefficient and reported by the website 538. It shows 47% of likely voters in the August 2nd election support the change that would strip abortion rights from the Kansas Constitution. 43% plan to vote against it. The new poll also suggests that Democrats are more energized than Republicans by the abortion issue. 94% of Democrats say the amendment has increased the importance of voting in the upcoming election, compared with 78% of Republicans. People in Kansas and Missouri are struggling with a lot of medical debt, and that debt isn't evenly distributed. Kansas News Service reporter Celia Yopis-Jepson and editor Stephen Caranda explain. I know there's a new report on how medical bills are affecting people of color in Kansas and Missouri. So Celia, what did it tell us? This new report from the Urban Institute looked at millions of credit reports across the country and, you know, by zip code. And what it reveals is that People living in communities of color in Kansas and Missouri are facing an exceptionally high um, medical debt burden. So if you if you live in a community of color in these states, you are twice as likely to be facing collectors over medical bills as uh, someone who lives in a predominantly white community. And moreover, um, when you compare communities of color here to communities of color across the nation, you see that the debt burden is much higher in Kansas and Missouri. Ultimately, what is the effect this problem has on people? medical debt in collections are affecting one third of adults in communities of color here. Um, this also affects people's financial lives in other ways. It's harder to get loans and mortgages, you know, to buy a house, to grow a small business. These are these are things that really fuel upward mobility in U.S. society. Here's Signa Mary McKernan. She's an economist and vice president of the Urban Institute. If you have a subprime credit score, you're going to pay $3,000 more in interest, for example, when buying a $10,000 used car and $87,000 more in interest when buying a $250,000 house. 
medical debt has become the single biggest source of collections in the United States. That is not um, impacting every community in the same way. In Kansas, for example, communities of color, if you live in a community of color, you're three times as likely to be uninsured. And so you're more vulnerable to racking up that medical debt. How do we explain that this problem is so bad here in Kansas and in Missouri? We know there are a lot of concerning indicators about our state um, research this year, for example, that shows that even when people have health insurance through their jobs in Kansas and Missouri, our states are among the five states in the country where you know, the average deductibles and premiums are coming out to more than $9,000 a year. So it's still really expensive. And um, other new research this year shows that we have weak consumer protections in our states if people do face medical bills. So Kansas and Missouri, for example, don't have any rules about how long a hospital needs to wait before taking you to court over a medical bill. Here's Gabriela Elizondo Craig. She's a postgraduate fellow at the University of Arizona College of Law, which does that research. People don't choose when or where they're going to get sick. They don't generally get to price shop the way you would with any other consumer debt. You know, if you're going to go buy a new laptop, you get to pick your price point there. But with healthcare, it's really not the same. And so I think it feels in particular the, the least just. Do we know anything that could help reduce this problem? Well, it's complicated, of course, and and for people with with job based insurance, the answer is going to be different from from uh, people who get their insurance elsewhere or who are uninsured. But one thing I did hear from economists and healthcare researchers over and over is that there's ample evidence that expanding Medicaid cuts down on medical debt, and Kansas is one of a dozen states that has not expanded Medicaid. Um, Missouri did expand through a ballot initiative, but the move is still new. So they've been processing applications for the expanded Medicaid for less than a year now. So, you know, how that will affect medical debt, we have yet to see. That was reporter Celia Yopis Jepson and editor Stephen Caranda. The Kansas News Service reports on health, the many factors that influence it, and their connection to public policy. Today, we bring you the second segment in our series of abortion stories. Business and entrepreneurship coach Hannah Koenig says she became pregnant after she stopped taking birth control due to a medical condition. She told KCUR's Steve Kraske that she got an abortion because she wasn't able to care for a child and didn't have a strong support network at the time. Here's part of their conversation. You know, you were in your 20s and had been in a relationship with someone for about a year. What was that relationship like? It was unstable. It was, I knew something was very off in the relationship. It was, I would say, emotionally toxic. I later found out this person was, you know, an addict. And um, it, it was just a very unhealthy phase in my life. I was very young. What was your history with contraceptives? And were you using them at the time? At the time, I was not. I had been on and off of several different types of birth control. I had a lot of issues with birth control, including um, pretty severe ovarian cysts. So I chose to be off of birth control, and we had an agreement based on that understanding. So Hmm. my partner at the time was aware of that. So when you found out you were pregnant, what Mm -hmm. was your reaction? My heart sunk. I, I just looked around me, and everything in my life was wrong. And I didn't know how to course correct. I also didn't have a strong support network at the time. And I was devastated. And your partner's response to this was what? 
it was very casual. He literally said, yeah, I was worried that might happen and just kind of shrugged it off. Did he seem like he wanted the child? Uh, was he with you when you went to appointments? He was not. I'm, I'm getting the sense here. Yeah. Yeah. He, he one, he was aware of the exact time that it was possible for me to conceive and chose not to share that with me until nine weeks later when I was pregnant um, and then stood me up for both appointments. And ultimately, my sister ended up taking me, was not you know, financially participant in paying for the procedure, which was at the time a full month's rent for me mm-hmm. and very challenging for me to come up with the funding to even have that procedure. Were you in the position to take care of a child at that point in your life? I was in no way mentally or financially capable of caring for a child or or even seeing a pregnancy to term. You know, I was working in the service industry. I was struggling with depression. I was just trying to figure out how to human myself and how to become an adult. It It was the wrong time. It was the wrong place in my life. You know, from the time you found out to when you ended your pregnancy, what was that like for you emotionally, Hannah, as you look back on it now? It was really isolating. It was a pretty dark time. I I only told um, a close friend, my sister, and of course, <laughs> the person who got me pregnant. I felt ashamed. I felt unsafe. I felt like I had made a lot of choices. I, I was aware that I played a huge role in the situation that I was in. And it was also a wake-up call. And it, I struggled not only during the time I was pregnant and the time I terminated that pregnancy, but for several months after. Um, It wasn't a choice that I wanted to make. It wasn't a place that I was excited to be in, but it was the place that I was. You mentioned that you didn't tell many people, but now you have. I'm wondering what's been the response you've gotten from family, friends, maybe business partners? The response has been overwhelmingly resonant. Resonant meaning people have thanked me. People have shared, including my mother, including my grandmother, their own stories with me. So it's opened up lines of communication. That they, too, had had similar experiences. That they, too, had their own variations. So many women, I would say I can think of four handfuls of women I know who have had their own variation of my same experience. And what it made me realize was while my experience is very personal and not something I ever wished to share, it's not special and it's not uncommon. Where do you think you'd be today if you had gone through with the pregnancy? I honestly have no idea. I I can't imagine not having the time to and the space or the resources to come of age to grow as a person and an, indivi- and an individual. I don't think I would be a business owner. I don't think I would be a homeowner. I don't think I would be in a supportive marriage with a partner who chose to get a vasectomy. You know, I think a lot of doors would have closed and I would have had had to make several very challenging decisions that compromised not only my future, but the future of potentially a child. You know, you've shared your story, which is obviously no small thing. What else do you do to advocate for reproductive freedoms? I donate to Planned Parenthood. I also um, locally, since the overturn of Roe v. Wade, donate to the Missouri Abortion Fund. And then 
There's also an organization called Run for Something. Amanda Littman is the founder of that, and she helps individuals uh, under 40 run for local office. And I think that we can make the most impact when we show up in our own communities and we help the people who are next door. That was business coach Hannah Koenig and KCUR's Steve Kraske. You can hear their entire conversation from up to date at kcur.org. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. This podcast is produced by Trevor Grandin, Byron Love, and KCUR Studios, and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. To read Celia's reporting on medical debt, visit kcur.org, where you can find more local news from Kansas City's NPR station. Tomorrow, we'll bring you the story of a legendary Kansas City athlete who will finally be awarded one of baseball's biggest honors. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you soon. Mm-hmm.